Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ecknerwall23. That's Lawrence spelled backwards. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you don't know, as the people on Tegna want us to tell you, we're both 670 to score producers who love the White Sox. If you want to reach well, us, love is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after tonight, yeah, 312-566-8727 for the voice messages or locked on socks at gmail.com. Chris, it is a tough, tough night. How you doing, though? You know what? I've been uh, a lot worse. OK, we're sitting here. It's 840 p.m. Central Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to hopefully wrap this show up in short order because there's not a whole lot to talk about. I do have some good things here, though, that I want to get into. And I do want I'm, I'm going to you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about Kimbrel tonight. So I've got some stuff here that I stashed away from last week uh, and we're going to get into some of your voicemails. And uh, maybe some emails here at LockedOnSox at gmail.com. But I, I'm going to be in bed, unlike last night where I thought I'd be in bed before 10 o'clock. Tonight I will definitely be in bed before 10 o'clock here. But uh, the White Sox are losers last night in Detroit. Um, there's a lot going on here. There's some news items here first and foremost. So Jose Abreu was not in the lineup last night. You may have noticed that. Uh, this team looked pretty dead ass uh, without him in the lineup. But He's got some, you know, aches and pains that are, you know, nagging at him, as Coach Tony said. And, you know, it's, you know, good. You know, I'm glad he's finally taking an opportunity to get a breather here. Uh, although it was not an aesthetically pleasing lineup with him not in it. Uh, certainly looked a bit lethargic out there and, uh, and not very potent. Uh, but so, Jose, I wouldn't be surprised with the day game tomorrow. That's another part of this thing. Uh, today's game has been moved to 12:10 Central because of imminent rain in Detroit, and Jason was talking about it at the end of the broadcast. There, some of that rain is probably moving on into Cleveland as well. Gets getting uh, some of that same storm there, so you know uh, it'll be a mixed bag of weather and, and clinching scenarios later on today. So just uh, you know keep posting on Twitter. But if if you were heading up to that game. Today in Detroit, looking to catch a night game and then uh, stay for the day game the following day, like I suggested, you better get there quick if you're listening to this and you didn't know that they changed the game time on that one. But I think that's smart that they changed the game time on that one. Try to get it in, especially uh, with everyone, you know, just trying to get to the finish line here. And, you know, with these games, you don't want to have to reschedule things here late in the year. So I'm glad they're making the right decision. We'll see if they get that one in. Uh, Another news item. Uh, Adam Engel will likely be recalled later on today and uh, well he will be recalled and hopefully we'll see him in the lineup and I gotta tell you Herb I think um, this lineup could use an Adam Engel injection right about now Um, you know he provides a little bit of that grit a little bit of that uh, that energy you know when you have a guy that doesn't play every day and he hasn't played a lot this year 
um, you know, just the, the the spark that he provides you offensively and defensively, I think that'll be good for this team in the interim because he needs to get out there above all, first and foremost, to get his legs under him for the postseason because they're going to need him out there to lock it down on in right field. Uh, but I think, you know, adding a bat like that to the lineup, a, a young cat who's always performed, you know, uh, in recent years here and has been an unlikely source of, of pop and and slug in recent years. I think it'll be a good thing to get him back in the lineup. And uh, that's that's where we're at right now, Herb. We're, we're clamoring for Adam Engel the way they, they looked out here tonight. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Adam back in the lineup and in patrolling right field, to be honest with you. Exactly, and we don't have to go to people like Lurie, who's been doing well in his limited time that he's been playing, and Gavin Chitu at first base. Who friends? <laughs> it's a rough. It's a rough go at first base for Gavin Cheats, but uh, yeah, having Adam Engel out there, the outfield out defense all of a sudden looks uh, like a premium because even though Aloy is a guy that hurts himself in the outfield, he has not hurt himself this year especially with the glove. He's doing his, his job out, out there in left field. So we know that Roberts sometimes is a little lackadaisical in defense, but he's a gold glove center fielder. And then we have Adam England patrolling right field. So good luck to you guys if you're going to hit a ball in the outfield for the White Sox when Adam Eagle comes back. And hopefully he has some success and stays on the, uh, the active roster because he's been hurt all year long. And it was uh, raining towards the end of that game. Thankfully, they were able to get it in. I was worried we were going to be looking at a long night with Ugh. a rain delay here. But uh, as Stoney pointed out. Not a lot of rain, but a little rain. Well, it's a wet cat now. Don't let it in the house. I disagree. If you find yourself with a wet cat, I think you welcome that wet cat into your household. What about you, Herbie? Uh, your philosophy on a wet cat, what to do with it? I'm sure, no, you're, I'm, I'm sure you're very experienced in having a wet cat. Never, but uh, Ziggy wouldn't like that. My dog, he would uh, attack that wet cat, and then the wet cat would uh, beat him up because Ziggy's a, ultimately a pussy. Ha, ha, ha. I see what you did there. Um, that's where we're at here. Four to three, the Sox losers last night in Detroit, and there's really some things to get into here, and we're the same guys, at least I'm the same guy that says these games don't matter that much, and, and when I say that, I mean... You know, don't look at the result and get too happy or too sad. But there are guys out there working on some things. So it's not like these are all meaningless. There's guys out there, you know, playing for jobs. There's guys out there trying to finish their season strong on both sides, really. And you know this is a big game when Jose Ruiz is out there in the fifth inning. So that, that goes to show you how big of a game it was here, even though he was pretty damn good. And the White Sox bullpen pretty damn good here last night, her, but uh, just not quite as good as the Tigers' bullpen, and the offense was pretty much non-existent after they spotted that three-spot early here. But, you know, there's a couple uh, things that I did like. Uh, Yohan Moncada hustling mm -hmm. down to first base. He did a couple things tonight that you really have no choice but to love. Hustling down to first base to beat out that ground ball because he knew uh, there was a, a, an RBI at stake there, and this is a guy that's not been going 100% the past couple of weeks, like most of the other guys on the team. I'm not singling them out, but you know, it's pretty clear they're under a mandate. Don't go too hard. We don't need any soft tissue injuries here uh, that'll have you on the sideline for a couple of weeks. So, but he realized the spot, needed his team, needed the RBI there, and he was uh, hustling it down to first base. So I tip the cap to him in that situation, and also the defense, folks. Uh, hang a star on that play in the sixth inning uh, that robbed uh, our guy Honus Haas. Uh, that one bounce into foul territory. Yohan Moncada is playing. Uh, we talked about it yesterday's show. He's playing as good a third base uh, as I've seen anyone in a White Sox uniform in, in quite some time. Yeah, he's uh, gloving it really well. And 
as Steve said in the broadcast, he didn't wait for the umpire to tell him it's fair or foul. He got the ball and got rid of it immediately and gave a perfect one hop throw to Gavin Cheats to get the runner out by five to 10 steps. He was just sensational on that play. If he doesn't get that ball, it's a single at least and maybe a double if he gets past him. So, yeah, he's got cat life reflexes and he's got all the talent in the world and he's playing as such. And I love how he's putting it all together. And he's the White Sox best player right now. Like, if you're looking at war, if F war, he's by far the White Sox best player. He's been probably posting every game. And that's why uh, he's uh, got that high F war because his defense has been solid. His offense has been all right above average. He hasn't uh, provided the power bat as yet as we're thinking that we, we, we would show in his what fourth, fifth year of in B, in major league baseball. But his defense is undefeated right now. He's doing the job. And maybe playing that solid defense will carry him through mentally, and maybe he'll get a little confidence boost here. That they, they, Maybe he feels like, hey, you know what? I am an elite ball player. And I know he came up as a third baseman uh, when the Red Sox signed him out of Cuba. Uh, but, you know, he is – when he first – you know, the White Sox, they shuffled him around the infield and played a lot of second base early on in his White Sox tenure. But over the past two seasons, since moving him over there full time, in year one – um, excuse me, let's talk about 2019. Boy, are the years really going by here. So like in 2019 season where we first started to see the high ceiling, it was a lot of quick reactionary plays and things like that where you say, okay, the guy's a good athlete and he's got good instincts and he's got quick reflexes and he'll be fine over there. But now you're seeing him transition into an elite third baseman. Like the guys like Manny Machado, the plays that guys like him make. You know, where you have to take different angles and get creative and, you know, uh, things like that. So I really think that he's uh, just coming into his own, possibly defensively. And that's why, you know, I'm so high on Mankata all the time. You know, uh, guys don't always develop at the rate in which we would like them to. But uh, he's still a really damn good player right now. And you should uh, appreciate uh, what he's doing there with the glove defensively. And, of course, his uh, ridiculous uh, uh, on base prowess the past month or so uh, tonight, notwithstanding, he did leave three guys on base. Uh, but yeah, really a, a solid defensive uh, outing, back to back nights for Yoan Moncada. Another positive sign I, I saw here in this game, he only went one for four, but he did have the RBI double. I think you know uh, who it is, sir. But Eloy Jimenez, who's been scuffling a bit lately, and you know, when you start to see the the stroke go to the opposite field uh, that's when you know that you're you're doing something right and uh, i think he'll be busting out of this thing in short order and you know as as much as we talk about tim as the table setter but mm-hmm. i think that the power uh, the power stroke of this team, the heartbeat of that, I think, is Eloy. Like when Eloy starts getting a hold of balls and and providing the slug, I think that type of stuff can be contagious because you know guys you know start to pitch them a little bit more carefully and try to you know uh, do teacup time out there and throw the perfect pitch, and it uh, becomes really hard to execute a pitch like that against a against a hitter like Eloy Jimenez when he's going right. But were you as encouraged as I was about seeing that nice opposite field double there from Eloy that he can maybe break out of this thing soon? Yeah, exactly. And I think that most uh, hitters where we talk about process over results change up what they're doing at the plate just because they're going through a slump. And I am glad that Aloy didn't change up what he's doing. He just like, okay, as a major league baseball player, we're going to go through slumps from time to time. I'm doing the right things and maybe the hits are not falling in. So I just need to stay on my path of what I'm doing. And eventually these hits will come in as it'll just be a natural slump that'll end. 
And so, yeah, he just let that ball get deep, and he has power to go deep in all fields. As we saw last year, his woes on the early season last year ended when he started going to right and right center in Detroit. I think that game was a day game in Detroit. He hit a home run right after Timmy hit a home run. So, yeah, if he can just find that stroke to right center, that's when he becomes deadly, and that's when he starts doing all the good things with the bat. His defense I just talked about has been surprising to me how good it is, and he hasn't hurt himself. His offense will come around. I will not worry about Aloy as far as the bat comes because I think the guy knows how to hit. Speaking of a guy who knows how to hit, and he's been doing so for about a month, here we go again. Yasmati Grandal uh, with another RBI tonight, another hit. Uh, he goes one for two uh, with a walk, and he's just swinging a damn magic wand right now. And not only is he hitting, but uh, hitting good pitches too, and just you know serves one to uh, to the opposite field for a double. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on here when you talk about you know things that are not going well for certain guys, things that are going well for other guys. We talk about how it all resets once you hit the postseason. You know, not necessarily so if things are going right. You know, Yasmani doesn't want to uh, sit down at all. You know, he wants to be in the lineup every day, whether if it's DH uh, at first base or catching. Uh, so this is a guy that you want to play every day and you want to try to ride this hot hand. And it seems ridiculous to, to think that, oh, maybe they can ride this hot hand into the postseason because it's not so ridiculous when you think about it because he's been like this for about a month now. And if you can just keep this guy, keep it going for another few weeks here, maybe you got something cooking here. But uh, I just uh, I, I just marvel at this guy and what he's doing right now uh, at the plate. But I know we talked about him at, at great length yesterday. But overall... Uh, another uh, lackluster performance by the bats. Mm-hmm. Inconsistency has been the, the name of the game offensively for this team. The, you know, basically since the All Star break, and I don't know what the cure for that is. But I saw a remarkable stat put out there by Jason Benetti today uh, on Twitter, who was mm-hmm. talking about some of the key cogs in this uh, offensive lineup here for the White Sox, and uh, I thought this was pretty staggering. In 2021. Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, Eloy Jimenez, Yon Moncada, Jose Abreu have played together a total of three times in the same lineup all season. And in those games, the White Sox are 3-0, and they're averaging 11.3 runs per game. So obviously no Abreu in the lineup uh, last night, so that that's you know still withstands. It's a very small sample size, but it just goes to show you how limited amount of opportunities we've seen this team together and be able to to play as a cohesive unit. And I don't and I don't know if I should feel encouraged by that stat or not because it's like you, you know you'd like to have a little momentum going with the lineup day in and day out where you can just pencil the same guys in every day. They know where they're going to be, and you can, they can just kind of take off running. I suppose you still have some time, but it, it feels like this lineup is never going to all be in there at the same time, and I guess that's where I, I get discouraged. But you look at all these guys now, uh, they're either resting or you know trying to play their way back into baseball shape like Eloy. But uh, that, that's how do you see that stat when I, when I tell you that? Does, that? does that surprise you, and uh, are you encouraged when you hear 3-0 uh, and with all those guys in the lineup? I'm encouraged because 11 runs per game when they have their full complement of players, the top six, as we call them there, is very enticing. It's awesome to see. That's what the lineup will look like in the playoffs. All those guys will be, if health uh, grants them that, will be in the lineup. And when you look at that as a opposing pitcher, you're like, oh, hell, there's no break because guess what? The six hitter will be Luis Robert, and he might be the best of the bunch. 
And the fifth hitter will be Yasmani Grandel, who also might be the best of the bunch. At times, they just take off. They just uh, switch off like uh, Timmy's hitting today. Yoan's hitting today. Hose is hitting today. And then it's just a free for all after that. And if we get Adam Ingle back, remember his power bat he's been bringing to the table too this year. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is lost, but you know, Oof. you get a little, you get a little relief after you go from six to seven, eight, and nine, but then you got to go right back up to the top. And it's like, fuck Tim again. God damn, this lineup doesn't <laughs> quit. So three times they've played, they average 11 runs. They've won all three of those games. I'm sure that Houston's looking at that and like, damn it, this is going to be tough as hell, dude. Well, you mentioned Cesar, and we'll get to him real quick before we get to the bullpen because, oh boy, we've got an angry mailbag tonight. We've got an angry voicemail line. We'll get to that soon here. But uh, Cesar Hernandez, I'm, I'm starting to worry a bit here. Uh, I've been one of his uh, biggest defenders, so I guess I, I shouldn't uh, back away now. But uh, another you know, substandard night at the plate, uh, but who knows? Maybe that is the standard. Maybe the standard is the standard, Mike Tomlin. But uh, defensively uh, is where I'm worried here. And now I'm starting to think in the postseason, is this a guy that you want to maybe sub Leary Garcia in to, to lock down a ball game at second base? I, I don't know if you, you worry about you lose him for next season. Could you still have him under team control for one more year? But, uh, you know, a, a couple odd moments there. I know the one where he where there was a positioning issue and Steve Stone was saying how Rodon is supposed to wait for his defenders to go back to where they're supposed to be before they make the pitch and the ball just gets under the glove there after a diving effort but uh, the the other play that inning where the things were mm-hmm. where things really unraveled like you know just mentally uh, he just does not have his head in the game right now. And I know we talked about this, uh, I think it was last week, about the pressures of coming over from a team with no expectations to a major market with high expectations. And we talked about all season long about jumping aboard the, the moving train. Guys like Brian Goodwin, uh, Billy Hamilton, able to do it successfully throughout the year. And they've met and exceeded a lot of the expectations but not every guy reacts accordingly. And maybe when you look at Cesar Hernandez, maybe this is a guy who's looking at that finish line and just can't wait to get to the playoffs, Danny Parkins, and just you know can't wait to clinch because uh, it seems like uh, the, the weight of, of this whole thing, ever since he came over here, it just, you can just see it on his face. He's, uh, he's uncomfortable. You know, he's, he's making plays that certainly a Gold Glove winner uh, should not make out there, and it's, just, it's frustrating to watch him right now. Yeah, um, I don't know like what a major league baseball player goes through when they trade teams. And that might be a shock to the system. I think he's been on multiple teams. So I would think that he would be used to that, but the guy that we traded for is not the guy that has shown up for the white Sox. You could say that with multiple. Players. <laughs> well, we'll get to the other guy next. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, that's a simple play ball hit right to him. Yeah. If the guy doesn't want to go to you, get him out. Tag him. He's on the ground. Tag him. Don't even worry about Jonathan Scope at first base. Get the lead runner out. That's fundamental. Throw it to Timmy or just put the ball in the glove and tag the guy. Like, these things are not hard. We're not asking a lot of Cesar Hernandez. And he's been solid overall defensively. Um, But tonight, brain cramp. That was ridiculous. And then the, the throwback from Gavin almost got Tim killed out there and Timmy with the basketball background saved him in air right there. But I just don't know on that play what's going on with him. And then later on with the game on the line, the three, three game, Gavin, I thought 
in that situation could have just knocked that ball down and kept it in the infield if not if not for anything else if he can't reach it just put it on the mat and keep that ball in the infield so the go ahead run doesn't score but Cesar I just don't know what you do with him it's so bad that we're thinking about going with Larry Garcia wow and how the mighty have fallen. I know. And you remember how shaky was Leury at times last season, especially early. You know, I, I don't know if second base is his, is his strength, really. Um, you, you know, he's looked good at third and beyond. And he's got the arm to play on that side. But the second base has been a little bit different. I would maybe, you know, I don't want to lose, have Cesar Hernandez lose total confidence. Like, you know, I don't know what something's got to give here where he's got to have a good day offensively and be able to put all the stuff behind him. Maybe after a clinch, you know, his te- one of his teammates will wrap their arms around him and be like, hey, man, it's all good. We got you. We know you're a good player. Just be yourself, man. Like, I, you know, I don't know what's going on with him, but they're going to need him down the stretch here because I, I'm not ready for more Leury Garcia in my life in the postseason, and that's no knock against Leury. Uh, hopefully he'll get a breather here soon too because he's been playing like a regular all season long, so he's got to be barking a little bit. He's not a, a spring chicken out there. Like he's been around since, uh, you know, the Bill Clinton administration. So, you know, we, we need to get him a breather here going to the postseason. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll open up the mailbag and talk about uh, tomorrow's show, but we've got a lot of it. we got the airing of grievances here uh, for the other guy that came over, or at least one of the other guys. Not not my guy. Tempura. Not him. He's fine. He's just got the little laceration, and uh, he'll be back soon. But we'll get to that next here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. We're back and better than ever, folks. All eyes are on the gridiron, and teams are back to start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface with even more odds props and contests betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100 welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up don't forget to use our promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget our promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on at Bet Online. Betting on baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game when you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast. Hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast. Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Should we open up that bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. We love emails too, not just emails, but voicemails. I know you mentioned it early, but in case someone uh, skips through the part of the show where we talk about how we're doing uh, and just get right to the baseball talk in case someone skipped that, how can they get a hold of us on the mailbag? LockedOnSocks at gmail.com for your emails or 312-566-8727. 312-566-8727 for voice messages. And I should mention, um, we're going to have the Locked on Sox mailbag open, open wide for all to see uh, when we do the postseason shows, the postgame shows on 6-7 of the score in the postseason. So uh, we're going to re- be reading your emails and we'll keep that going. We won't be able to get to voicemails, but we're going to want you to call us up uh, when we do those shows because we're going to want your interaction. So LockedOnSox at gmail.com to get a hold of us from now until the end of the baseball season. And hopefully the White Sox are playing the last game of the year and hopefully they'll win it all right 
We've got some uh, messages here from the voicemailers, and uh, the first one here, a little bit off topic, but uh, you know, just kind of kind of uh, bouncing back from yesterday's show with the news of you being an engaged man. Uh, we've got one here from the two hundred three. Wants to send some love. Hey, Herb and Tanny, this is Joe from Plainfield, New Hampshire. Hey, Herb, congratulations on getting engaged. I've been married 34 years. There's nothing better than a good marriage, so really happy for you. Also, our daughter, one of our daughters just got engaged, and her fiancé wanted to make sure that he had the opportunity to ask me for my approval. Of course, I was overjoyed. So kudos to you for showing Courtney's dad some respect. And mom as well. Really love that that old school respect. So, loving the pod. Thanks so much, and looking forward to seeing you guys uh, out in Chicago soon. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I forgot to mention. So, like the the tradition of asking the father uh, of the you know potential bride for permission uh, to ask her hand in marriage. I, I left a story off the table because uh, uh, it was about you yesterday. But you know, so my wife is uh, first-generation American uh, of Guatemalan descent, right? So her parents are Guatemalan immigrants. And, and back in 2012, when I you know, finally had the, the, the moment, I was like, okay, I'm in a position now where I can propose. And I didn't know that that was more so an American custom. Uh, at least you know, it could be in other places around the world, but it definitely uh, was not a custom in, uh, in Latin America. So I went to uh, my, my in-laws, my future in-laws' house one day, and uh, the wife was at work. And uh, so we, I went there, and I brought their favorite food, which was, of course, Portillo's. Uh, her mother no longer with us. As you remember, we lost her last October. Uh, but I brought their favorite food, Portillo's, brought a couple of tay and beefs. You know, they're... You know, there's, there's, who doesn't love Portillo's, to be honest with you? And it was very casual, and I surprised them. I didn't know, didn't let them know I was coming. I just sort of popped in because they're they're popping people. They always were. Um, so I, I went over there, and I just brought some food, and they were kind of just like, I get the the vibe where it's like, hey, this is great, but uh, kind of like, what the hell are you doing here just bringing us food? Because, <laughs> you know, they did not live close, and uh, it was just, uh, you know, so I think automatically they were just like, what the hell's going on here? And so that's when I, I you know, they were both there, and I was able to ask. And uh, and her dad was like, "Yeah, of course." So we, we <laughs> yeah, why why wouldn't we? <laughs> you know, it was going like, "What's the what?" Basically, not they 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 decided to save the "What's taking so long?" part of it. Uh, but they were of course they're like immediately like, "Yeah, like why did you even ask?" So I found out much later uh, that. Uh, her dad actually let the cat out of the bag a little bit and said that I was over there at the house. Um, they didn't say why, but I think uh, my wife's radar was up a little bit. She didn't lead on because it was. It took a couple months for me to actually propose when I when I proposed uh, in the holiday season. But uh, yeah, so that that was a funny little story there. And uh, you know, it's not always that way. That's an. Uh, you know, certainly an American custom, which uh, I did not know at the time. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Nothing was lost there. Uh, still got a chance to bring the in-laws some Portillo's, and that's why I think sometimes with her dad living with us, uh, he will take my side uh, 10 times out of 10 uh, in an argument <laughs> over uh, his own daughter. So uh, you endear yourself to, to the parents, to the in-laws, you're in good shape right there. So I thought that was a funny moment that I forgot to mention yesterday. Uh, now let's get to the next one here, Herb. Craig Kimbrell is a clown. That's it. Oh, by the way, congrats, Herb. Thank you. There you have it. Mm-hmm. And here's and here's here's one of our guys here. Hey, Chris and Herb, Mark in Litchfield Park, calling about Mr. Kimbrell again. 
I guess little Lord Fauntleroy wasn't getting his balls <laughs> pampered by Beyonce while Vivaldi's Four Seasons played in the bullpen. Um, the Four Seasons. I'm not very hopeful about this guy. And if you look at his playoff record, that's not very good either. It's actually kind of abysmal. Uh, he just skated through because he was on good teams. But um, this is not paying off. This trade is not paying off. Maybe it will. Hopefully it will. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Mark, uh, always the ray of sunshine, isn't he? I appreciate the the Four Seasons reference there. Um, but, you know, what can we say about, about Craig Kimbrell? You know, he wasn't that horrendous last night, I, I don't think. You know, this is one of those baseball things where you get the hit by pitch. And here's the big part of the inning here, and I'll get to Craig Kimbrell's uh, – uh, postseason uh, uh, splits here in a second. Once I uh, you know pop them up here, but the I didn't get a chance to to see after the hit by pitch. You know the the Sox are working with Detroit Tigers home camera feed. I didn't get to see how egregious that wild pitch was in in that sequence there. You know we I saw the view from behind Grandal, yeah. so it was tough to see what pitch was called. Where everyone was placed, the the hitter was in the way a, a little bit. What did you make out of that sequence? There, did it look like maybe that was something that was a, a cross up, or Yaz should have had it? It's tough for me to call that one because I didn't see it clearly. Like, and we don't have the access to go on the uh, the 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 other feed, but you would think that it's probably the same look, you know. So I don't know what to make of that, but that's that inning. I think was one of those freakish baseball things and yeah you want the guy to just plow through the lineup one two three like the tigers closer did after not having a save all year he was over three i think uh lang and he just you know blitzes right through the white Sox lineup but what did you make of that craig kimbrell uh sequence there i didn't think it was that bad i didn't think it was that bad i mean hitting robbie grossman on the foot of course he didn't mean to do that but we got that guy on the base then you throw that I think it was a fastball, and I can go back to baseball savant and get the exact uh, pitch it was. But it looked like a fastball that was in the wrong location, so Yasmani wasn't um, expecting it in there. So it was an inside uh, fastball to a lefty, and it went to the backstop. And, of course, uh, Robbie Grossman goes to second there, and then they see and I single there. The next uh, thing by Harold Castro is the uh, winning run. But, yeah, he... Went 3-0 on the first batter, battled back, and I think struck him out, and then got a, another strikeout in that inning. And then I was like, okay, he's found his release point. He's found what he's uh, been looking for. And then the first pitch, he hits Robbie Grossman on the foot. It's like, ugh. It's, it, maybe every time he comes in nowadays, it's a wild pitch. It's a hit batsman, and yeah. we had both of them in this one. I don't know what's wrong with him. And we saw that with when he started his Cubs career where he was just off, and he wasn't the guy who was a lockdown closer. And I don't know. He just effed up. I think it's a mental thing because the stuff is filthy. I'm just... I'm I'm flummoxed right now. I want Tempura to come back and maybe Craig Kimbrell be more of a Earth's high leverage. It's not his thing as of yet. He is not the guy right now, and you can't trust this guy in a big-time situation in the playoffs. I, if it's a one-run game in the eighth, I don't want him in there. He's not been shown as a White Sox player that he can get the job done. 
Here's what I'd like to see, and we got another email here we'll get to. I'd like to see it when the Sox are in a clinching scenario and they have the lead. I know you don't have control over a lot of this because Cleveland could totally just shit the bed and you, you may have to just do a, a backdoor clinch, so to speak, where you don't even have to win your game, which I think is how it's, this thing's trending right now. I'd love to see Craig Kimbrell close out the ninth inning uh, to put you uh, in a spot where you're division champions. I'd love to see him. I don't think they'll do a dog pile, you know, but, uh, you know, whatever version that they're going to do, I'd love for, for him to be on the mound in that moment and, and be the dude. And, uh, you know, it's just not no slight to Liam Hendricks, but maybe allow him this opportunity to get his head right and get him feeling good. You know, this, this is a guy who, you know, again, it's not easy when these guys come over and we talked about it. We chronicled, you know, the, the circumstances that led Craig Kimbrell to be a White Sox were an issue of, of comfortability. Um, in terms of his personal life, his professional life. So he's in a spot where he ought to be comfortable, but he's in a position where he's not used to pitching. And I'm not making excuses, but I'm going to play for you something that uh, Tommy Hudovee, the Cubs pitching coach, said about Craig Kimbrell on the score last week that uh, I'm glad we saved it for tonight because I think it's more pertinent now than ever. But Craig Kimbrell in the postseason, 20 games, he's 0-1 with seven saves, 22 innings pitched uh, with an ERA of 3.68 and a whip of 1.27, uh, 11.05 uh, strikeouts per nine uh, ratio. So, you know, not, you know, awesome by any means. And his uh, struggles uh, in his tenure in Boston are, are well profiled. Uh, but the fact is that has nothing to do with this year. And as Mark, you know, said there, that could change for, for the better. But it's just, it's very frustrating now, no doubt. And the White Sox have to figure this thing out here. And time is running out. Uh, I'm still going to run him out there in in the postseason just because, you know, he's got the experience. The adrenaline's a big factor. But uh, here's something that Cubs pitching coach Tommy Hadaby said. The Cubs were instrumental they, when they acquired him after no spring training. I believe that was in 2018, and it, he was not good at all. And the season was basically lost, and he let a lot of Cubs fans down. The way he's letting Sox fans down now, they were independent race, and he was just awful. Uh, but they were able to get him in the pitch lab and get things right again. Uh, here's what Tommy Hadovy, who has a, a big part of his turnaround uh, in the Cubs uniform, here's what Tommy Hadovy told Mullion Haw on the score uh, just last week about Craig Kimbrell's situation. I think for Craig, too, he got into such a good rhythm here with his routine and the times he was coming in the game and, and everything he was working on, it became very methodical because he knew what he was going to do every day. When you get thrown into a new organization, that's going to change a lot. You get new coaches and, and new situations. Then you get thrown into a whole different, whole different plan of when you're coming into the ball game, you know, and, and not pitching the knife consistently. And so I think there's just some adjustment there, adjustment period for him. I think he's still a guy if you're going to want competing for you in the postseason and, and pitching huge innings. And, you know, I trust Craig to, to get to that point and, and really be a, a weapon for the you know the White Sox down the stretch. I would have to agree with that. And look, these guys are divas. The top of the line Hall of Fame closers, they're they're divas. And there's some truth to what Mark says. Um, not to that degree of the degree of the ball washing. Um, but you know, you know, in a baseball terms, that that's what it is. And let's face it, uh, Coach Tony screwed the pooch a little bit here a couple times. You look back at that Tampa series where you pull Craig Kimbrell out in the middle of an inning after he finds his way. You know, he walks the first guy and then uh, strikes out the next two, I believe it was, and then he gets yanked from the game. And then Tony Russo after the game says what a, a mistake it was. And they have the come to Jesus meeting after that. But this thing has never just been uh, clean whatsoever. And, I, you know, I just don't, I don't know how you fix it. 
But I think there is some credence to this guy's used to one certain thing and just, you know, leave him in that spot and, and don't mess with it. Uh, but it's it's beyond that, I think, at this point, because whatever adrenaline or mental headspace, uh, it does not help you get ahead in the count. It does not help you put hitters away. Um, at least I don't think. A lot of that stuff is mechanical. And we've heard stories about Craig Kimbrell where, you know, he, he drips from his mechanics and, and he needs to be recentered you know, so to speak. So there's there's a lot going on here. They still have time to do it, just not a lot of time to do it. And Let me I, correct my uh, thing. He actually pitched three pitches to Robbie Grossman, got two strikes, and then he threw that uh, ball that hit his foot. So it was off. It was just off. He was about to close out that inning and hit Robbie Grossman, and that started the whole thing right there. And I looked it up it looks like that fastball uh it was a fastball that he threw to uh jonathan scope that got past yasmani grandal yeah that's what you said yeah you had you said fastball i believe mm-hmm. uh with the, you know but could you see a, maybe i just missed the replay of a good angle i never mm-hmm. saw a good angle on that one did you no me either no okay. i just looked it up on baseball savant yeah all right so you know that that's what it is that's where we're at and uh, also we had one more email here we got to give a shout out to the ladies melissa from the 309 says this was not a good night for the white Sox. Was Kimbrell terrible? Yup. Was Hendricks, was Hernandez terrible? Yup. Was Rodon pitching like he was hurt? Yup. Uh, what a complete nightmare, she says. The postseason starts in two weeks. We can't even clinch because we're good. We're going to clinch because the Indians are that bad. It's Melissa from the 309. Uh, the Rodon thing, I didn't think like he was pitching like he was hurt. Hurt. Um, um, there's there's evidence that he might be okay. Firstly, Scott Merkin, 38 minutes ago when we were recording this on Monday night, Rodon did not feel right after three innings, so they took him out. Larusa said the team is concerned, and then I went back on Baseball Savant to look at the four seven fastballs that he was throwing in that third inning. You know, there were some in the mid 90s, but I logged four of them: 91, 90, 89. 89, all forcing fastballs. And in that same game, he was throwing 96. So way off, way off. That's that's last year's fastball that when he after came back from Tommy John surgery, he was terrible in Cleveland and in the playoffs. So Carlos, for what it's worth, said there's nothing really to worry about. I'm fine. You know, just didn't have it tonight. (laughs) Yeah, but. The White Sox and Tony La Russa, they're concerned about Carlos Rodon. That's why they took him out after the third. Yeah, so I stand corrected there. Yeah, I was just looking at Velo and Velo only early, and uh, I, you know, uh, I may have missed that when he was taken out of the game there after that one uh, bad inning. But yeah, um, you know, oh, Tony La Russa says that they're concerned. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. you you ought to be. And we'll we'll find more about that. Find out more about that probably tomorrow. We'll see. You know, it's big to see how he's going to feel like when he wakes up. But the the good news here is you do have some depth there. Again, that was my game one starter uh, until relatively recently. I probably until this moment right now. But it looks like you're going to go with Lance Lynn, uh, provided that uh, you know I don't know if they shut him down again with with fatigue, quote unquote fatigue. But then mm-hmm. you're just talking about rolling the dice there once, yeah. once he's back. Like that's not that's not a good situation there. So. We'll probably have more on that tomorrow. We'll compile all the sound and uh, and and build the case for for what's going on with uh, Carlos Rodon's future here in the stretch run. But yeah, Melissa's on it. You're on it. Uh, so it's definitely concerning. But that's where we stand here. And uh, I didn't think we'd be going uh, this long in this episode tonight here. But there's a lot of stuff going on here with the Kimbrel and uh, with with Rodon's health with Cesar Hernandez. So. 
Uh, never a dull moment here, but the reality is you look at the scoreboard here and uh, it's it's in sight. <laughs> you know, the Sox are close to clinching here. I'm just looking up the results here from this Royals and Cleveland contest here in, in game two. Yeah, so so they, they drop both of these games here, uh, it appears, uh, in, mm-hmm. in Cleveland here. So the magic number down to two. That's where we're at. Nelson Fox, right? Yeah, Nelly Fox, yeah. Take a quick time out and figure out what we're going to do on tomorrow's show next year on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at DirecTV. Welcome aboard, DirecTV. Does this sound familiar to you guys out there? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff, right? Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally Get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Direct TV, get your TV together compatible device required content varies by package this episode of locked on white Sox is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com you know with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of automobiles it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car's ever going to need so why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your odyssey an lx or is it an ex then you say well I'm not sure about that. Then you have to go back outside and check your car and you've had your car for years and you should know what it is <laughs> by now, but you don't. So you wait for the person behind the counter to check their inventory and order the parts that only their warehouse has. Why would you do that when you have access to a vast catalog of inventory right there on your phone in your pocket at rockauto.com? I already mentioned a clear example of why you save time by going to rockauto.com and not to one of those chain stores. But did you know that those chain stores, they'll often charge you 30% more, 50% more, or even double for the same parts at their stores or, God forbid, a car dealership. You're going to get better prices at rockauto.com. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 listed at a chain store. RockAuto.com, only $216. And best of all, Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They've been a sponsor and a friend of this podcast for two seasons now. You see, because Rock Auto's prices are always going to be reliably low for everyone, for the do-it-yourselfers and the professionals. And it's not only the prices or the convenience. They also have everything that you're going to be looking for. Go in there and take a look for yourself. If you need brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, they've got you covered at rockauto.com go in there and explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and do us a favor right locked on and there how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com so now you're looking at a situation here uh in the afternoon game today where of course uh, you're in a spot, and they're talking about. It. Let's see, did they move that game officially yet in Cleveland? They I, did. They did. All oh, right. the Cleveland game. Yeah, I don't know. Cleveland I don't know yeah. move our game. Let's see. I'll look it up. But uh, yeah, that's amazing that they did that uh, that quickly. I'm sure people like you were talking about White Sox fans, like, oh yeah, we're gonna be going up to uh, uh, Detroit for the seven ten game. But no, Cleveland still yeah. has theirs listed as a sick yeah five ten local time. central game. So yeah, he they might not get that in. 
as long as the White Sox get the two games in, they can make up the third game when the Tigers come back, if need be, which I don't think it would be necessary when the Tigers <laughs> come back to Chicago. Yeah, so now you're in a spot here where uh, conceivably, uh, you know, uh, Dal- you could you could jump on the back of Dallas Keuchel and uh, get yourself a, <laughs> an AL Central Division crown. But possibly that's uh, how Rick Hahn drew it up, but not exactly the the route you would have taken here. But uh, yeah, so it looks like it'll it'll probably be a backdoor clinch and kind of anticlimactic. But again, with this team this year, it's not what matters. You would like to see them have a moment where they can celebrate, but it doesn't always work out that way. You know, like we talked about that a couple weeks ago and the odd scenarios that go down here but uh that's where we're at with this team and so there's a there's right now there's a lot more question marks than uh, exclamation points or periods that's for sure but uh we'll we'll be back tomorrow breaking down uh, that nice and early game and hopefully we'll be talking about the magic number being down to one and maybe we'll just wait maybe we'll wait for tomorrow night and uh, after the Cleveland game's over, that'll be over by eight eight thirty. So maybe we'll just wait for both of those games to conclude, and we'll have some definitive uh, answers here on who will be the AL Central champions. But that's all I got, Herb. That is Chris Tannehill. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Herb Lawrence at Ecknerwall twenty three in our show at Locked On Socks. So for Chris, I'm Herb. Hopefully tomorrow we're celebrating an AL Central championship, the first since two thousand eight on Locked On Socks.